Eat Yourself Better podcast is brought to you by Be Fit Food, where food is the first medicine. Today on the show, dermatologist and founder of Bespoke Skin Technology, it's Dr. Catherine Armour. You see it time and time again. In fact, I think probably every day I'm in the clinic, I would see patients who would describe exacerbations of their skin condition uh, related to, to stressful periods in their life. Dr. Rama is also a self-confessed crazy dog lady. They're her words, not mine. Anyway, Kate and I caught up with Catherine and here's how it went. Catherine, welcome. How are you? I'm really well, thanks, Jimmy and Kate. It's great to be here. Okay. It's great to have you on the show. Look, we usually talk about um, food, routine, and we love to hear about you. And I'd love to, as a long-term eczema sufferer, hear about skin today as well. But let's start with you, Dr. Catherine. What, um, how do you wake up in the morning? What do you eat and what is your routine? <laughs> well, uh, as I've uh, gathered from some of your other recent uh, interviewees, uh, my, my routine's a little bit skewed at the moment with the... Mm-hmm whole balancing um, isolation with working with the um, mm. joys of homeschooling, <laughs> which which we've just finished up for the day. Um, so and we, how old we, are your children, Catherine? Uh, we have an eight-year-old son and and a two-year-old German wirehead pointer. That's our, oh, fur, yes. our fur child. <laughs> so, yeah. So not quite back at school just yet, mm-hmm. almost, mm-hmm. next week. So, yes, so, well, my routine, um, you know, as a general rule, I'm certainly not a a natural waker. I need an alarm to get me Mm -hmm. up and at him. Um, And, look, I'd certainly say in my earlier life, pre-children, I definitely was a get-up-early morning exerciser, uh, you know, run-the-dog-at-five kind of a girl. Mm -hmm. Uh, But... In, in more recent times, I think I'm almost about to hit 46, I've got to admit, I'm just a bit more tired. So I really, I love to exercise, you know, ideally five or six days a week. But when that happens, um, is a little bit opportunistic these days. So um, mm. I, I couldn't claim to be up and at him at six and pounding the pavements. But I'm a keen runner. Um, I've... Uh, got one marathon under my belt and I would love yeah I'd love to knock off one more you know maybe one more before I hit 50. Yeah Um, and which marathon did you do was it a Melbourne one or did you travel? I actually did the Sydney and I did it with funnily enough I did it with um, Associate Professor Greg Goodman who is my partner in Bespoke Skin Technology. Mm-hmm. Um, he often jokes that I've convinced him to do two things that he might not have done. So uh, one was the <laughs> Sydney Marathon uh, and one was to launch our own skincare wow. range. And he had actually done marathons previously but it had been 11 years since he'd done his most recent one. So wow. um, yeah, and it's look, it's four years ago, so I shouldn't I shouldn't try and sound too too proud of it, but I would love to I would love to do one more. Um, so yeah, my my routine is is running when I can, but of a bit of you know the hit sessions at home, online when I can, and uh, as a family we're very keen surfers and mountain bikers, so that's Ooh. probably taken on a greater role in our um, in my exercise routine since isolation because we've been trying to sort of hole up and isolate at the surf coast as much as possible. So mm-hmm. um, probably my routine uh, on my non-work days has been get up, homeschool, surf. Yeah. So <laughs> wow. sounds good. 
<laughs> not a bad, not, nothing to complain about, really. Yeah, yeah. that's not bad. <laughs> now, tell us about your work, uh, dermatologist. I've had many run-ins with a dermatologist <laughs> uh, because I just have a long-term eczema sufferer. Um, and, oh, I just, I, every time someone suggests something new or, or, or whatever, I, I, I find a time in my life where I've done the exact thing or the exact opposite of that and my skin's been fine and then I can find a, another excuse for why this wouldn't work and this wouldn't work and I guess you see these people all the time. What is about skin that drives people crazy? Well, I guess the skin see, the skin's your body's largest organ, Jimmy, yeah. and the other sort of unique thing about it is it's the most visible, you know, it's the, really our main visible organ uh, apart from the eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's... <sighs> It's sort of interaction with our well-being is really complex. I mean, there's the aesthetics of um, what we look like. And when you have a, you know, a severe rash, say, for instance, if your eczema is really active and it's visible on your hands or your face or your forearms, I mean, that makes you feel self-conscious. But more often than not, as you'll be well aware, I think one of the the major impacts of um, skin on your well-being is when you're dealing with itch. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's something I'm sure you're all too familiar with. I mean, Mm -hmm. skin rashes um, can also be painful, but I think um, by far and far and away, itch is the most predominant symptom that dermatologists deal with. Mm. Um, And itch is really hard to ignore. It's really hard to, um, you know, dissuade yourself from concentrating on itch when it's active. So I think that's why it it has such a a big impact on us. Um, We wear our skin every day. And I guess as a dermatologist, I mean, We've got to also remember that the skin refers to our our hair and our nails as well, and and hair conditions can, of course, also hair loss conditions can, of course, have a a huge bearing on quality of life as well. Yes. Mm. I actually recently watched a a movie, Self Made, and it was all about hair growth, and um, it was something I, I don't know if I ever, you know, had even thought about. And this movie was all about women who had terrible hair growth and how it affected their quality of life and it was just something really eye-opening and you know you don't realize until you're in that situation or you know someone in that situation how um horrible it must must be so absolutely kate that that is so true and you know uh as a dermatologist i I spend a significant part of my week, you know, listening and talking to, to women about hair loss and, and you know, and, and I guess we mustn't forget that it has a significant impact on men as well. Um, just a little bit easier perhaps for men to shave their hair off than, yeah. than for us ladies, <laughs> sure. but it is also really important. It's really important for blokes as well. But I mm. think, um, you know, for women, uh, hair can often be such a huge part of your identity and, and how you present yourself to the outside world. So, yes, and some hair conditions are relatively straightforward to treat and and some are still even in 2020 a, a real challenge. And certainly hair loss, uh, you know, its causes and potential treatment uh, is definitely an area for uh, huge amounts of, of research going on currently. Yeah, wow. And of course, we love to talk about food here on Eat Yourself Better. <laughs> be Absolutely. Know, like, you know, what do you, what do you eat? And as a dermatologist, what are the things that we should be aware of that are detrimental to our skin or that make our skin more vibrant? So, well, 
what do I eat? Uh, I've certainly, like some of the other people you've interviewed recently, um, my diet certainly has not been perfect during isolation. <laughs> I'm probably more, more, I'm probably more guilty of lapsing into uh, a wine or two more days of the week than I normally mm-hmm. would have <laughs> during isolation. You're not alone. <laughs> the uh, the quarantini, etc. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've managed to get a little bit more of a lid on that in the last week or two, thank goodness. But um, and I I will admit that. Uh, you know, as a like so many busy, you know, working mums and dads, uh, sometimes particularly on my working days, I find it a real challenge to um, eat healthily or, you mm-hmm. know, plan. You know, you spend so much time planning about what the family will eat. And so I have to admit, and this is not a suck up, but I have to admit that I rely quite heavily on beef at food, um, <laughs> particularly, for, for my, particularly for my lunches. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I'll often order, you know, um, one of your, your weekly um, supplies, Kate, and you, sometimes I'm not very good at sticking to it perfectly, but I do, particularly when I know that I might not make good choices otherwise, if it's mm. a busy day working from home or at work, I, I know that uh, mm-hmm. I can go to my freezer and pull out my beef at food and um, have something that I really enjoy eating, and that's good for me, so... <laughs> Oh, that's nice to hear. <laughs> yeah, so that's that. That is the truth. And actually, I um, came to hear about beef at food from someone we, we know mutually, who is my personal trainer. Um, fit food, fit body, uh, Monica. Oh, yeah, Monica. Yeah, Monica. Yes, so Monica introduced you to it. She's currently on maternity leave, but um, yes, I'm looking forward to training again with her when she's up and at him again. Um, Jimmy, the other thing less about me, more about what, what should, you know, what sort of foods have an impact on us and on our, well, on our skin. Mm. Um, certainly that, I mean, that's often asked of dermatologists with regards to conditions like acne. Um, and over the decades, diet and its impact on acne has been quite controversial mm-hmm. um, and perhaps not borne out hugely by um, research. But in the last five or six years, there have been a number of studies published which do uh, attest to the impact of diet, certainly in some individuals with regard to their acne. Um, And one thing we do know, particularly in young men, we know that uh, dairy, you know, consumption of excessive amounts of Mm. dairy, so people who eat a lot of cheese, a lot of smoothies, that sort Mm -hmm. of thing, Uh, particularly in young men, that that can be an exacerbating factor for their acne. It certainly Mm. wouldn't be the primary Mm. cause. But um, in young men, eating a diet very high in dairy can be um, significant. Um, We also know that those foods that are probably not good for us in uh, large amounts generally, so high glycemic index foods mm-hmm. are also not good for acne so it's the kind mm. of the, the, the things that should be our sometimes foods the treat yeah. foods like you know um chocolate in particular mm. uh lo- lollies those sorts of things um you know it, it's amazing how many of my patients i talk to and you find that you know they're having trouble with acne but they do eat chocolate every day you know that's yeah. probably yeah. their yeah and i hear that all the time as a dietitian too that's I bet you something do, yeah. I always hear is they eat chocolate and they get pimples and they go, I know it's not supposed to be directly related, but I hear that all the time. And it's pretty hard to kind of ignore it when you've got so many people saying it, even though the science around that isn't quite as conclusive, but there's certainly something around chocolate and acne. Yes. Absolutely, well, and exactly. It's the and the anecdote is fairly strong there, and I think, mm. I mean, it it does sort of fit in there with um, 
the dairy and high GI story, and and mm-hmm. I certainly recognise it myself um, in my mid forties. I mean, I'm not a like sweets are probably not my my treat food of choice. I prefer salty <laughs> chips are mm-hmm. my thing, but I know that if I do get you know eat, get into the chocolate or mm-hmm. lollies, I certainly um, reap the consequences of it in terms of the odd breakout. So um, there you go. And I was going to say the same, and I thought I'm glad <laughs> to hear that. I know the science doesn't support it, but I'm exactly the same it's not even my favorite food but once I start eating and I go oh I like this without fail I wake up the next day and I start to feel a lump under my skin and sure enough the next day I've got a pimple yeah Yeah, absolutely The high. The other thing is um, the impact of really sugary foods uh, on our skin in terms of aging. So that we know that a diet uh, high in sort of processed sugars can lead to um, changes in the proteins in our skin. So the plumping called glycation. Actually, the process mm-hmm. is called glycation. And what and what we see there is basically a um, an attachment of the sugary mo- molecules to the important fibres in our skin's dermis uh, called collagen and elastin and related fibres. And it basically changes the configuration and makeup of those fibres so that our, our skin loses its its plumpness and its youthful appearance. Mm-hmm. So not only does uh, a diet high in um, you know processed sugars possibly give us breakouts, but it can contribute to ageing also. So, hmm. yeah. well, something we've heard the last two people on the podcast say is they take collagen, bovine collagen. Two people have said it recently, haven't they, Jimmy? And yeah. it's something I don't hear a lot about and until very recently. Have you heard much about this? Uh, Yes, yes. Well, powders, pills, capsules. Mm. Um, I mean, it's a lovely idea, isn't it? Wouldn't it be great if we could? Um, <laughs> <I know. laughs> just drink it. Gastrointestinal yeah, tract and ending up in your face. I'm just not so sure about that. No, well, you're, you're quite right, Kate. No, you're quite right. Mm. I mean, yes, it's something as a dermatologist, yes, I get asked about quite frequently. Um, but And it's expensive too. <laughs> it's really expensive, yes. Unfortunately, although there are some very small studies that uh, are not, you know, not very well controlled, perhaps suggest there may be a subtle uh, advantage to taking oral collagen. Certainly when you look at the science of it and talk to dermatologists worldwide, we would all say that as you as a dietitian would, I'm sure, uh, agree with Kate, that the collagen is just going to be broken up in your stomach mm-hmm. by your, your gastric acid and um, other digestive enzymes. And it's mm-hmm. very, uh, I think it's just, you know, going to make for uh, expensive uh, buy waste products from us really yes. and there's also no there's no way of um, uh, ensuring that that even if there were collagen molecules that we absorb that they would end up in your skin anyway so mm. um, whilst I mean it's a huge booming market uh, mm. worldwide um, it's I, I really think it's um, a pointless waste of money and you're you're better to um, focus on a, on a diet with antioxidants um, and yeah. proteins which are you know going to perhaps offer some protection against free radicals rather than hoping that we can eat ourselves to um, to col- <laughs> collagen <laughs> homing to our skin yeah yeah Dr. Yeah. Catherine, what about, um, you know, I've heard it many times through, I've tried diets and I've tried all sorts of things um, for, for my eczema, but, you know, a lot of people will say it's stress or it's, you know, it's um, sleep. Um, <laughs> how do these things contribute to our to our skin? Look, absolutely. They're, they're, I think um, adequate sleep and stress are inextricably interwoven, I would say, into our skin health. 
Um, certainly stress, whilst not a primary cause, uh, can certainly be an exacerbant for any inflammatory skin condition. So I'm talking about psoriasis, eczema, rosacea, um, acne even. Um, certainly, you know, we, we see it time and time and again. In fact, I think probably every day I'm in the clinic, I would see patients who would describe exacerbations of their skin condition uh, related to to stressful periods in their life and often that's when we're seeing them because they're having a flare-up of their skin condition or mm. perhaps a first presentation of a skin condition um, and we we know particularly for acne I mean we know that stress obviously raises cortisol levels in mm. our blood and unfortunately uh, cortisol uh, is you know often respo responsible for for flaring acne um, interestingly cortisol probably you know we often give people cortisone tablets to treat skin conditions so that you would think it might um, improve conditions such as eczema but stress certainly doesn't and you've probably experienced that yourself Jimmy throughout your yeah, lifetime with absolutely. eczema. Yeah. Um, sleep, uh, the other problem with not getting adequate sleep is we know that that affects the the diurnal rhythms of our body that um, run our, our body's cortisol production so not getting your sort of at least seven hours of sleep at night often leads to chronically elevated levels of, of cortisol which actually promotes premature aging because that um, helps basically break down our skin's collagen and elastin um, but it also again exacerbates acne so stress is no good and neither yeah. is not and beauty sleep. <laughs> sleep there's a good reason why they call it beauty sleep mm. <laughs> For sure, for sure. Is yeah. something related to, you know, I've heard this before um, from a GP, I think, but, you know, like sometimes these stressful periods in your life, the actual impact of it can can be uh, delayed. Um, you know, for instance, I think about some of the most stressful times in my life and my skin has been absolutely fine. It's been better. I've been glowing. <laughs> but then, you know, it might be a few months go by and, and then I get a breakout. And I think, hang on. I'm not stressed at all. <laughs> I'm quite calm now and everything's flowing nicely. But why is my skin, it's always so confusing. Well, that's that's really interesting, um, Jimmy. And I don't, I'm not aware of any studies that prove this, but I would postulate that that's probably occurring because your cortisol is high while you're stressed. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, of course, cortisol um, would dampen down inflammation yeah. in the body, which is obviously what's happening in eczema. And then, when you take away that stress or that when the cortisol perhaps plummets following that is probably more yeah. you know we often see that when people have uh perhaps come off oral steroids too quickly for yep. a skin condition then we often see flares following that mm. um it's also something we see with hair conditions so often um you know it's, it's something that we see um in women obviously uh, often after they've um, given birth or in women with established skin conditions who've had a very stressful period, the same sort of thing happens. The actual exacerbation is often some months later, often three or four months later. So the body mm -hmm. works in mysterious ways. That's definitely a, a well-established phenomenon, particularly in hair disorders. Yeah. Now tell us about bespoke um, skin technology. You mentioned before, you know, that you uh, you convinced your, your business partner to do something <laughs> they didn't really want to do or didn't think they wa wanted to do. Uh, what 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 made you take the leap and and I guess you'd worked with a, a bunch of skincare products and uh, through your time and what made you take the leap and, and do it yourself? Well, I've always been interested in um, skincare and and the power of um, 
you know, scientifically proven ingredients and adequate concentrations and what they can do for our skin. And um, that that interest was sort of nurtured fairly early in my specialist career. I mean, I was, I was lucky enough to consult to, to L'Oreal in New Zealand and Australia for five years. And that um, I learned a huge amount during that time. But the decision to to launch our own range actually really came from, you know, 10 or 11 years of listening to my patients in private practice mm. um, and listening to what they wanted. Um, you know, I've always, I, I found that most consultations, um, you know, when I saw patients for, you know, no matter whether it was a skin check or treating their acne or their rosacea or a hair problem, inevitably at some point in the consultation, you know, the question would arise, you know, what should I be using on my skin? Mm -hmm. And people think that's a throwaway kind of a, you know, two-minute discussion, um, and -hmm. it's really not. And um, particularly I found that, you know, women's skincare needs are really complex. You know, there's the the classical adage of, oh, man, I've got acne and, you know, so I've got wrinkles and pimples, which is the sort of classic for women in their late 30s and moving into their 40s. And, you know, women are like, well, what's the very best I can be using? And what I found I was having to do was curate this regime, which would involve me taking my favourite products from a number of different skincare ranges. Um, mm. And I would, you know, they're like, I want the very best. I want everything that's going to work. And it would inevitably lead to perhaps three or four things in the morning and then three or four things at night. And I would type them all up, a personalised plan, and we'd discuss it. And they'd be all, you know, excited and enthusiastic. And then I'd see them some months later. And honestly, 99% of the time, they were still either confused or just felt it was just excessively time-consuming to be putting that many products on their skin. And, you know, I feel exactly the same. I mean, I'm highly motivated to look after my skin and try and prevent sun damage and ageing, but I'm certainly not going to put, you know, seven or eight things on my skin every day. It's just Mm. not going to happen. And so a woman would say to me, you know, isn't there just one thing? Isn't there just one thing? Mm -hmm. And probably after 100 women saying that to me, I was like, I'm just going to make it. (laughs) (laughs) We're just going to do it. So, um, our so bespoke skin technology. So our two hero products um, really do contain within them. So it's one step in the morning and one step at night that allows you um, to to be applying everything you need to. So during the day to protect from. Uh, ultraviolet and other environmental damage whilst also um, treating uh, pigmentation, inflammation, wrinkles, because we're all worried about wrinkles. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> I certainly am, yeah. And then at oh, nighttime, yeah. nighttime, the same thing. We're, so it's, you know, we're rejuvenating and repairing and targeting all the commonest skincare concerns which women have. Um, but the, the biggest thing was I found that um, my patients with very sensitive skin often really struggled to use products, particularly that would treat pigmentation and wrinkling. Mm-hmm. So we really carefully chose our ingredients, particularly our antioxidants, so that they would be really clever and multitasking, but that would also be suitable for women of all skin types. So, And it's it, it a customer, the relief of actually just having one product instead of all these different things, trying to remember what goes on morning, what goes on night. <laughs> Have I already put that on? And, you know, you're running out of one thing and then you've got three others that you're using, so then you just stop using it until they all run out. And it, it's such a nightmare, the skincare routine, but your products, just using one thing in the morning and one thing at night is, uh, I mean, it, it's just the most simple, simple skincare regime. It's really great. Oh, well, I'm 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 really glad you enjoy it, Kate. And I think there's still a place for the 
Korean 10-step regime for women who want to do that. You know, there's nothing inherently mm. wrong with it. It's just that it's not for all of us. And I think, um, yeah, most of us would, would rather get more sleep than um, spend more time putting on <laughs> skincare at night time. So, yeah. Well, speaking yeah. of night time and routines at night time, what do you do to relax? What do you do to chill out? Do you? Uh, we've been asking people through this time. You know, Netflix has gotten a bit of a workout. <laughs> what, yes. what is, what's something that um, you know? What have you been watching? What have you been binging? <laughs> Ooh, what have we been binging? Um, we we binged. We well, we're, Game of Thrones was a long time ago. Oh, I think we're so even cons- we're even considering doing it again. We loved it so much. So um, Fowder. I'm just trying to think if that was Netflix. That might have been SBS on demand. We're very into sort of Scandi noir and kind of crime thrillers. Um, Just trying to think sex education. We needed something a bit light after all the (laughs) crime thrillers. So we did both series of sex education. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, goodness me. I'm just trying to think. We've just started a new – oh, 000 we have just started, which is a um, sort of – Italian mafioso crime thriller series. So we're only a couple of episodes in, so I don't feel that I can necessarily um, endorse it as being the best thing I've ever watched. But um, it it's could be enjoyable. on that trajectory. So <laughs> it could be. It's looking pretty good. Yeah, oh, nice. That's great. And what but about Netflix? Yes. <laughs> yeah, Netflix. Oh man. You mean we're sort of. Uh, privileged to have you know like abc iview for free and, and sbs on demand as you mentioned that's that's kind of free and there's a few things you pay for here and there but and then we add on and most people have got netflix <laughs> most people have one other it's, it's a lot <laughs> some people have got foxtel still and there's oh geez, there's so much to choose from half the time i sit there just scrolling through the netflix menu and go oh yeah oh that was a good night i go to bed because it's getting late because i haven't chosen anything <laughs> oh, it, oh, I tell you what, yeah, absolutely. The other one is The Afterlife, that new um, Ricky Gervais oh, Ricky series. Gervais, yeah. Yes. It's sort of a bit bittersweet, isn't it? It brings a tear to the eye, but he is just so but funny. He's so and funny. So naughty. He's brilliant. He yeah. still manages to get that silly humour in there, which is great. We love oh, Ricky Gervais. Um, what about so your favourite food? <sighs> My favourite food? Oh, goodness me. Do you know what? It has to be a. Um, well, if I had to have a favourite dish, it has to be um, a dish which my husband has sort of stolen from our favourite restaurant up in St Kilda, mm-hmm. um, which is called which is Lau's Family Kitchen. Um, and I'm sure they they won't mind me saying that my husband's tried to emulate it. It's called um, <laughs> it's called it's the it's called the Mapu pork, and it's an amazing. Um, Amazing, really spicy uh, pork mm. mince kind of dish, Yum. which um, mm. we've been making. We've been trying. It does. It's obviously on a bit of rice, which is a bit high GI. So we've actually been mixing in black rice um, oh. with um, jasmine to try and make it a little bit healthier. I don't know if that's Kate. You can probably tell me whether that's really worth doing. But well, or do your basmati instead of jasmine because that's low okay. GI. Mm. Okay, it's done. Okay. Next time, it's Basmati. <laughs> Perfect. And next time, I'll, I'll give you an update too. Lupin has come out on the market. That's very high protein, low GI, and you mix it through with your rice to boost the protein and reduce the carbs. Oh, I love it. Mm. I love okay. it. I have been trying a bit. You know, the uh, well, I love your chicken and cauliflower rice um, dish that you make oh, yeah, at the yeah. Love that. So I've been also, um, if I see that at the supermarket, you know, sometimes you can get the cauliflower yeah. rices and things. I'm trying to mix that into my boys, my eight-year-old son, and my husband are massive carb fiends, so they wouldn't eat it. But at least it allows me to um, 
be a little bit healthier. <laughs> yeah, and you have the same size bowl, just half the cauliflower and half the rice, and you all you're all eating together, and you're just eating slightly better. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. You mentioned yeah. wine earlier. Is um, oh. what's your favourite? Is that your favourite drink? It probably is. I must. <laughs> yeah, definitely wine. I'm a I'm a Kiwi girl, so I do love my uh, my Marlborough Sauvignon Blancs. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Oh well, thank you, Dr. Catherine. It's so great to talk to you. And you know, I, I've um, I feel like I need to make an appointment. <laughs> we can come and talk about eczema. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you know what? I really, I do. I love treating eczema because even when people have had it their whole life, you know, as you have, mm. um, there are usually things I find that we can tweak that will make a difference. And also on the positive side, um, there is a new injectable medication for eczema. Uh, called dupilumab, mm. which will has been approved by the Therapeutic Goods Association here in Australia, and hopefully it will be available for severe eczema sufferers wow. in Australia by the end of the year, which will be wonderful for patients who you know otherwise otherwise require our, our kind of traditional yeah. um, immune system suppressing therapies. So. Um, I've looked after a few patients who've been in clinical trials treated with that medication, and it mm. really is life-changing for a lot of people. So, wow, that's um, incredible! Well, thanks, Dr. Catherine. Thanks for chatting to us again. Visit to visit bespokeskintechnology.com, or you can just search uh, Dr. Catherine Armour on Instagram. Check out her wonderful uh, dog. We didn't talk about you. You're animal loving. Oh. oh. I am the crazy dog lady, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can go to Instagram to check out a beautiful dog as well. Uh, thank She's you so there, much for yeah. joining us. And it was great to chat to you and hope we can have you back on the program soon. I'd love thank to. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Really nice to talk. Have a great day. Eat Yourself Better podcast is brought to you by Be Fit Food, where food is the first medicine.